Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week. I know our weeks here at the Delgado House have been pretty Groundhog (laughs) Day-ish. For a while there, it was go to work and go to basketball, and then go to work and then go to basketball. So we're finally in basketball playoffs this week, and hopefully all of that will be coming to a close And then we'll be starting the spring sports, which are one of my favorites. I mean, I like them all, but I have a soft spot for track and field since that was one of the sports I did and really enjoyed. So it's fun to watch my, my boys do track. And now my third son, Ben, he wants to try track this year. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands in terms of what events he's interested in. So... I started thinking, I'm like, there's got to be something that's been going on that I can give you an update on. And I realized it is the nutrition assemblies. So a while back, I mentioned that um, the local school district in our area um, asked me if I'd be interested in doing nutrition assemblies at the elementary school level. And I was like, of course, I'm like, sure, I'll do it. I'll figure it out but had no clue what I was getting myself into. And tomorrow will be assembly number six of seven. I've been doing them for the past six weeks, every Tuesday, Uh, two assemblies, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And it has been so much fun. It has been more fun than stressful. (laughs) It's been stressful at times, but it has been such a great opportunity to bring nutrition to the schools, to see the kids uh, learning and laughing and participating. And probably one of the best compliments that I've gotten so far are from teachers at the school who have said, the kids get it. Like they're listening, they're paying attention, they're remembering. And so, you know, it's not just me putting on a small performance for 45 minutes. There's learning happening and, and they're retaining the information. So, uh, just such a fun thing to be a part of. And so I'm actually just going to throw it out there and extend it to, to the listeners. If you are in a school district and think that this could potentially be a fun opportunity to bring to your school, um, let me know. Send me a message and we'll get you the details and we'll see if it's a good fit. But uh, just, it's a lot of fun. The kids get super excited and loud. I think I almost lost my voice the last assembly uh, because I was trying to get them to quiet down. But we have activities and games and cooking demonstrations because I really think it's important for kids to get into the kitchen and to be working with the food. It increases the likelihood that they'll eat the foods if they're part of the the preparation process. So 
you know, we got aprons, we got them messy. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. So today we're talking about five wellness trends to watch in 2023. And this is actually uh, from a recent survey through MindBody. Uh, Jim, my husband, actually sent it to me. And I thought it was interesting enough to create a whole podcast around it and to talk about it. Uh, I can give you the trends and then my opinions on them and, and what I foresee happening and why this is why this is so important and why we should be paying attention and jumping on some of these trends. Obviously, if they were trends that I thought would be harmful, um, we could talk about the potential pitfalls of something, but I definitely, I'm, I'm behind it. I'm all for it. And let's just, let's just go right into number one. So number one is strength in numbers, the rise of the wellness collective. So it says nearly half of all consumers say that community is a very important part of the wellness experience. Even more men are jumping in on the wellness collective movement. And one of the questions it poses, it says, is this growing desire for community due to the increasingly remote workforce, perhaps? So number one is, People are looking to join groups when it comes to their health and wellness. So whether that's from an exercise standpoint, joining a gym or joining a small group of people to work out with, uh, or even nutrition. We recently did a Nourish Eat Repeat book club. I think we had 23 members sign up and it was so much fun. We We talked about the book. We talked about our own nutrition struggles. We made recipes, took pictures of them, posted them, shared our successes and our challenges. And there is something to being in a group setting that increases your likelihood of being successful. In fact, I believe the statistic is you're 40% more likely to achieve your goal when you are held accountable to somebody else. And so my question is, are you taking advantage of this? Do you find that you feel the same way? Do you find that you are more accountable and stronger and more likely to show up when you are in a group setting than when you're flying solo? Now, I know for me, um, just because of time constraints, I work out at home in the morning, first thing. I enjoy working out. I know I'm in the minority when I am say I'm pretty self-motivated. I know not everybody has that same feeling. Uh, but something that has helped me tremendously is doing these home workouts with a colleague. So Heather and I have been doing these workouts for a while now. And it's so nice to be able to text her and be like, oh, my chest is so sore today from all those push-ups or my shoulders are sore. How are you feeling? You know, what did you think of that lunge sequence that we had to do as a finisher? And to be able to share a moment, even though we weren't physically doing the workouts together in the same room, being able to share an experience with somebody and be able to talk about it is, I know for me, it's been really, really helpful at keeping me connected and motivated 
to keep showing up. So even if you aren't in a position to be in a group setting, maybe your workouts don't allow for you or your, your schedule doesn't allow for you to join some group classes, but if there's something that you like to do individually, are there opportunities for you to connect with somebody and to hold yourself accountable to or, or share an experience individually and come together and talk about it? I think there's, there's a lot of positivity in this. And as long as the group has some, I, I don't want to say like ground rules, but you want to make sure it's not a toxic environment, of course, and that, you know, all opinions can be shared and there's no one right way to do things, but, you know, acknowledging that everybody needs to find their way. I think that's the only potential downside to the group uh, is making sure it doesn't become a toxic exclusive group. Uh, but I'm all for it. Uh, I even noticed that in our private practice. Uh, like I said, the book club was a group class. We run Jumpstart twice a year, which has been always been a great option for people to not only connect with the material, but connect with others going through the experience. Um, but just even meeting with a dietitian one-on-one. I know it's not necessarily a group setting, Um the one-on-ones, but you are meeting with another individual and able to talk your way through certain challenges, figure things out. Like two is, or three is always better than one. One, when you're trying to do things on your own, you must become the expert in those moments. And therefore, any decision that you come up with seems to be the best decision because it's the only voice you're hearing. And that can be, that can, that can cause problems (laughs) when your voice is the expert voice, especially if it's not in an area you're an expert in. So I definitely am on board with this wellness trend, the rise of community, and I'm all for it. And so find your people. Find your people that are going to motivate you. Find your people that are going to push you. Find the people that are going to um, reciprocate, you know, in terms of where can, need reciprocation, I guess. Where can you help them, you know, just so it doesn't become just all about you, but where can you offer your services to somebody else so that you really feel like you're part of a community that has each other's backs, I'm all for it, and I I like this trend. The second trend, if you thought I liked the first trend, wait till you hear the second trend. The second trend is called going back to our roots. Today's consumers are looking to reconnect with nature. Nearly 40% of Americans say they're embracing a more natural lifestyle. Uh, Men and women growing their own food, choosing holistic remedies and supplements, and aiming to become more self-reliant. So the magic word I hear in this trend is gardening, is being able to get back to nature, growing your own food. Oh, I love, love, love this. So as you know, we have a pretty extensive garden. I know not everybody has the resources to do this or the space, depending where you live, but 
Man, if you have an opportunity to get your hands in some dirt, please take it. Not only is there something so satisfying with growing your own food, uh, but yeah, being able to get your hands in the dirt, becoming one with nature, it is so good for your soul. Like It's such a, even a powerful antidepressant when you're out there and you know, all these nutrients are leaching into your skin. It's been known and proven scientific fact that it can decrease depression. And I know so many people struggle with that right now. It's calming and therapeutic. And listen, if you struggle to get away from your kids, go start a garden because kids do not want to do manual labor or physical work. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out and weed the garden. Who wants to come with me? Nobody comes with me ever. And so I just get that quiet alone time. Uh, It's amazing first thing in the morning after the sun has just come up and everything is just so peaceful and there's promise of new life. And I don't know. I don't know what more I could say. It is just, I love it so much. And then from the nutrition side of it, I mean, when you grow your own produce and, you know, the food is just reaping of nutrients because it hasn't sat on a truck for three weeks before it got to your grocery store. It literally just comes right out of the ground, farm to table, literal farm to table, and the food just tastes so good. It's like the difference eating a a farm fresh egg or eating an egg from the grocery store. Like there is no comparison. The farm egg just has a deeper, richer flavor. Usually the yolk is more orange versus that yellowish color you get at the grocery store. And now don't get me wrong. I've bought eggs at the grocery store plenty of times. But if I have my choice, the farm raised egg is always going to be superior. And it's that way with nutrients. We know that if you grow a garden, you're more likely to eat more fruits and vegetables. And let's be honest, produce is expensive right now. Like, I don't feel like prices are coming down. I know it was a little ridiculous there. Um, I was spending way too much at the grocery store. But yeah, it's expensive to eat some of these foods, especially with these rising costs uh, from transportation and shortages and all sorts of of issues that are going on right now in our country. So uh, if you can take advantage, even if it's growing just one thing in your, uh, in a flower bed or in a container garden or a raised bed, I even have YouTube videos. I think if you just go to Body Metrics YouTube, there is a video on how to build a raised bed. And now, even if you have no space to put a raised bed, they have raised, literal raised beds where the raised bed is on, I don't know, call them stilts. And you can put your garden in a literal raised bed of dirt. And so for those people that have back issues or knee pain and they can't bend over to garden, you can do your whole garden standing up. Like there are just so many phenomenal options right now. And I could just go on and on and on about the benefits of 
eating right from your garden. Like I said, saves money, you eat more produce, you feel better, there's the nutrients that you're getting, the antidepressant effects, the calming effects, and gardening's work. So if, if you want a workout, grow a garden. Like It's work hoeing and weeding and planting and harvesting. We always say we're going to have people over to our house and create a farm fit class. Farm fit, not CrossFit. We're going to do farm fit. So not only are you going to reap the benefits of the workout from being on the farm, but then you get to eat the food and reap the nutritional benefits. So trend number two in 2023 is getting back to nature and becoming more self-reliant. I think it's a good one. Again, we food is expensive. People don't know where their food's coming from. I'm all for it. So maybe consider what one thing can you grow this year? Even if it's herbs. Start with herbs because, my goodness, herbs make your food taste amazing. It's how you level up dishes without adding fat and sugar. It just naturally takes your food to the new level. And if you're struggling with trying to figure out where you use different herbs, like come and see me. I have handouts and worksheets on what herb pairs best with what food, and it will let you in on all the culinary secrets. So that is my plug for, for gardening and herbs. All right, trend number three is... It says, big female energy, the year of the woman. So it says, whether it's going to be women's only gyms or taking advantage of the body's hormonal shifts, the data is clear. Women, American women, are tapping into their feminine power like never before. Of course I like this one. I love the idea of women getting stronger, figuratively and literally. I think the shift is pretty clear of going from a waif-like, thin, weak body to one that is strong and is capable and can take care of herself. I'm all for it. I love, love, love this whole, this whole trend, we'll call it. I don't even want to call it a trend because I don't want it to go away. I want it to stay. So I was doing a little bit of digging and it said in 2021, only 19.6% of women uh, were involved or participating in some type of sport, exercise, or recreational activity. Not even 20%, not even one in five women were participating in some type of activity. In fact, 84% of women who don't meet the guidelines report that they want to be more active. So they see the value, they're just not doing it yet. Uh, I guess 16% don't even see the value, but we'll work on that. We'll take the 84 right now. So what does this look like? So I actually was doing, there was a post about this thing called gymtimidation. I don't know if you've heard of this word before, gymtimidation. And this is why women or I should say women say they experience gym intimidation by men in gyms. And this is why women's only gyms are starting to 
pop back up again and become really popular. In fact, one in four women experience gym intimidation where a guy will try to intimidate them in the space to either take their equipment, take the um, dumbbells that they've been using. In fact, uh, women are more likely to be asked if they're done using equipment more so than men. So if you are, you know, working out with dumbbells and the guy next to you is working out with dumbbells, a guy will more likely come up to the woman and say, are you finished yet? Before he would go up to another guy and ask him if he's finished, which is just crap, right? Like we have no right to be in this space. Um, Men are more likely to hover where a woman is exercising to let that woman know she's in his space or you know, or like I said, continue to ask if they're done with their sets yet. And no wonder people don't feel comfortable in a gym if this is happening. One in four, that's ridiculous. So we do belong and we do have a right to get stronger. I know for me personally, my body's changing as I am approaching my mid forties and I'm noticing that those HIIT workouts that I used to do and love and I still enjoy are not as effective as they once were. I personally have been moving more into a strength-based workout plan, and my cardio has been more of a walking. Uh, Now, I'm hopeful that when the weather gets a little bit nicer, I can go back to running once or twice a week. But for right now, walking seems to be my, my cardio of choice. It's not so stressful on my body. It's not, you know, raising my cortisol levels. And then the strength part is really changing the shape of my body. And I've been really happy with that. So I think there is a movement. We're realizing that we don't need to just be in that room doing cardio all the time and workouts and group aerobics. Don't get me wrong. There's some great group aerobic classes, but we kind of just had this thing where guys were in the gym lifting weights and women were doing their their group aerobic classes and and that's shifting. Women are strong. Like I love following really strong women on social media. I mean, I'm not intimidated by them. I'm inspired by them. Like look what they can accomplish and if they can do it, what what am I capable of? I did a podcast a while back with Heather, the girl the, my colleague, my fellow dietitian at Body Metrics and you know, I think that's the biggest takeaway I got when we did that podcast about the Carolyn Gervin workouts. We're just like, what else am I capable of? She's like, all right, today we're going to be using our 40-pound dumbbells. And I'm like, what? 40 pounds, that's insane. But guess what I'm lifting? 40-pound dumbbells. And it feels amazing. So I am all for this wellness trend of women getting stronger, of us you know, if you don't feel comfortable in your space, finding a place where you do feel comfortable, where, you know, gym intimidation is not a thing, uh, getting more involved, whether it's in sports or in activities, going hiking on the weekends, you know, but letting your presence be known and not shrinking away. Like we are not meant to shrink into the distance. Like we can take up space we can be strong and we can be present and we don't have to be intimidated any longer. So 
I like that. All right, the fourth trend is functional fitness for a longer, more fulfilled life. So on the terms of exercise, we're noticing that longevity is the new weight loss. Remember how sitting was the new smoking? Longevity is the new weight loss. Americans report being less concerned with using exercise to control their weight and more concerned with living longer. In fact, almost a third of consumers say they exercise because they want to live a long and healthy life, a significant increase from the year prior. All right. So yes, 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 yes. I seldom recommend exercise for weight loss because it almost is, what's the word I want to use? It's not a, it's a correlation, not a causation. That's what I want to say. So a lot of times people think if I exercise, then I will lose weight. All right. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you exercise and weight loss doesn't happen. So then what? Does that mean you just stop exercising? Of course not. Because the benefits of exercise go far, far, far beyond weight loss. They go to your mood. They go to your sleep. They go towards your energy levels. They go to your cardiovascular health, your digestive tract. Like there are so many other reasons why to exercise beyond just weight loss. And we're finally starting to recognize it and exercise for reasons other than just weight loss. So big surprise, I'm all about this trend too. I like this one. We're starting to recognize the message is getting out there that we need to be doing this for our body, for our our mental health. Gosh, our mental health. Right? We know that the the serotonin and the feel-good endorphins that we get from exercise are so much longer lasting than eating a piece of chocolate or shopping online. Like the effects are so much long-lasting and it's available and accessible to all of us. And it doesn't mean we have to kill ourselves. That's not what functional exercise is. Functional exercise is exercise that supports everyday life. So things like bending, twisting, lifting, loading, pushing, pulling, squatting, hauling, all the things that we do on a regular basis, like hold a kid on your hip and bend down and pick up a toy, right? So maybe we do exercises where we do a squat and then we do a we come up and do a bicep curl because that is something that we do on an everyday basis. Maybe it's um, on a cable crossover machine, you know, taking the, the crossover and starting on one side and twisting up to the other side, you know, going from, I forget what the official name of that exercise is, um, but, you know, it's starting at a low state on one side and twisting to a high state on the opposite side, which is very, very common in terms of like unloading a dishwasher. You bend over and you pick the glass up and you turn the other direction, twist, and put the glass up in the cabinet. So many people, when they want to start an exercise program, they jump two feet in to this high-level, intense 
program that they have no business being a part of. They haven't exercised in years, sometimes decades. So to go from one extreme to the other, a couch potato to a high-level CrossFit gym, doesn't make any sense. They're going to get hurt. Where functional exercise focuses on let's strengthen the body first and get it nice and strong and get it ready for the next level. If you want to go to the next level. I know at Body Metrics, we hand out workout calendars every month. They're not flashy. They're not exciting. They may take four minutes to do, but they're four minutes of functional exercises to get your body prepared to go to the next level so you don't get injured and then end up back on the couch again because, well, now I'm hurt and now I can't do anything. Right? 84% of women want to be exercising. So let's get your body in a place where it can do that. Let's start with some functional exercises that we can live longer. So I don't know if I told you this story or not. I forget what stories I tell you. I tell you a lot, but I was in the car. This was a couple months ago with Parker. Parker's my second son. He's about 16 now. And the conversation I had with him was, um, Parker, so I know dad's 10 years older than I am. And, you know, we're not old yet, but there's going to come a time where you know, I might outlive him. The chances are high that I might outlive him. So do you mind if I move in with you and just live with you? (laughs) I know it's kind of a morbid question to ask a 16 year old, but I was kind of messing with him. And he was just really, really quiet over in the passenger seat. And then he's like, well, I mean, I guess, I guess you could live with me, but what if we just like made a calendar where we all pick a week and rotate who visits you. I was like, really? Really, that's how it's going to be. I'm going to be, I'm going to have to resort to a calendar and you guys are going to have to argue which one has to come visit me. Is that how this is going to work? And I realized that my boys, maybe even the girls too, are going to put me in a home so fast if I can't take care of myself. So my whole goal is to be strong to be fit so that I can take care of myself. God forbid anything terrible happens. Of course, I'm not willing or wishing that ever, ever, ever. But if something were to ever happen, I want to know I can take care of myself for the long haul. I saw a funny post on Instagram about the reason we do burpees is so when we fall, when we're older, we know how to get back up. And at first it was meant to be funny, but I'm like, yeah. I want enough strength in my upper body to push myself up if I happen to fall. I don't want to be reliant on somebody having to take care of just basic hygiene for my for me because I'm too weak. So this is my goal. My goal is to be strong. It's to have functional fitness, not hurt myself because I'm trying to do some weird complicated movement that I would never simulate in real life ever. And it's important to note too that when you're working on functional gains and strength gains, that those results aren't quick. They're not flashy. 
They're the exact opposite of the diet industry where everything is quick and you can get these amazing results in, you know, six weeks. No, this is, this is an investment. And I think that's why functional fitness is starting to gain some strength is because people are recognizing the investment is worth it. That the quick fix, it's not working. We can all agree it doesn't work. And we're willing to put the foundation and make the foundation strong before we move forward. So I'm all about this trend as well. And then finally, the last trend is introducing, they're calling it Gen W. So the wellness generation. So Gen Z and millennials. Uh, For Gen Z and millennials, wellness isn't hours spent on cardio machines and crash diets. Wellness is connected, emotional, and inclusive. In almost every way, Gen Z and millennials engage with wellness more than their mature counterparts. To start, they spend the most on fitness, salon, spa, and wellness services. They're most likely to work out at least once a week and eat the daily recommended servings of fruits and vegetables. Younger generations prioritize their mental well-being more than any other generation, too. So I had to look it up because I'm like, I don't even know what Gen Z is. I don't even know. I think I'm Gen X. I think I am. I don't know. It, it confuses me. But Gen Z is anyone born between 1997 and 2012. So actually three of my kids fall into this category. And I have to agree Like these kids are taking care of themselves and I think we're doing a better job giving them the message of overall health and wellness. So this one excites me because all this work that we've been doing and telling them to prioritize them, their health and, and why I go to these nutrition assemblies to talk to them about eating the rainbow and why it's important for their body and what they, what benefits they can reap from it. And, you know, I look at my own kids, you know, my son, my oldest, Jake, who's, you know, working really hard right now to meet with different college coaches to see if he can run at school. And he's putting in the work. Like right now he's, he's eating more fruits and vegetables than I've ever seen him before. And it's not me telling him to finally, finally, it's not me telling him to it's, it's because he is driven right now to be the best he can be. So he could maybe perform at a higher level. Um, my son, Ben, Ben, right? The kid that we're always like, oh, good luck. But anyway, he ate broccoli the other day on his own because now he's motivated to get bigger than his brothers because (laughs) I think he's sick of being pushed around by them and he wants to play basketball. And I see my kids like doing some journaling work. And I'm like, what? What is this? This is exciting. This is amazing. Today, just today, as I'm taping this, we had three new people call to schedule appointments and they were 18, 19, and 22. Like generally the population that comes to our office are, you know, people in their 30s to 60s. I mean, we have some older populations, 70s, 80s, maybe not 90s, maybe 70s and 80s. 
And we have some teens and 20s, but all of a sudden we have more younger people calling into the office because they're recognizing that their health is important. And I just had this conversation with a lady the other day and because she was talking about um, how she's been on some diets and it has really taken her to a dark place mentally. And, you know, we were having a conversation about what things are going to look like moving forward. And I was like, listen, if I ever have an inkling or a, a doubt that what we are doing with your nutrition is going to put you in a place, a not so great place mentally, I'll call you out on it. Because you're, you do not have health if you do not have mental health. I don't care what size you are, what clothes you wear. If you are obsessing and sacrificing your mental health for physical health, you don't have health. And so we're really, really careful about that at Body Metrics to make sure that the nutrition changes that you're making encompass a total body overall wellness plan. We want to make sure that you're okay. And the fact that these younger generations are acknowledging that and the message is sinking in and they're willing to put their dollars out for those experiences because they recognize it matters. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for letting this message get through to them. And hopefully we can use this younger generation as an example for us to do the same. So that we can be present, that we can be here for our younger kids and their kids and, and not be stressed out versions of ourselves that are constantly obsessing about our size. Like people don't remember you for your weight. I hope, I hope we remember that, right? Like nobody's, when you die... Nobody is talking about how much you weighed. They're talking about who you were as a person. They're talking about the influence you had, the legacy you left. Nobody's remembering what your number was on the scale. And we have to stop living as if that is the case. And if this younger generation is here to teach us that fad diets and quick fixes are actually not worth our time, and that we are worth and valued for who we are as a person, how we take care of ourselves and how we take care of others, then I'm all for it. I love, love, love this wellness trend. All right, guys. So those are the five wellness trends to watch in 2023. Let me know which one you are excited about. Let me know which one speaks to you and which one you want to which wellness trend you want to jump on. Again, I'm hoping these aren't trends. I'm hoping they're here to stay. And if anything, we just build on them. I don't want this. I don't want any of these to go away because I love what they represent. And I love the shift that we're finally um, seeing in the health and wellness industry. So there is your trends. All right, guys. Let me give you your recipe of the week. So this week I have a mushroom tortellini soup. I feel like I've been giving you a lot of mushroom recipes lately. I just, I love mushrooms so much. So hopefully you do too. Otherwise, 
omit them. Don't just count this recipe out if you don't like mushrooms. Just don't put mushrooms in. That's the thing with recipes. Make them your own. These are suggestions based off of what somebody liked. They liked these ingredients together. They made a recipe. But so often we're quick to push them aside as soon as we hear an ingredient we don't like. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. Okay, then don't put it in. Or substitute something you do like instead. If you don't want mushrooms, put in zucchini. I don't care. This is a great soup recipe to get tons of vegetables in. Let's do it. All right, so this takes 25 minutes to make, makes about six servings. Uh, you're going to need two tablespoons of olive oil, a half a pound of sliced fresh mushrooms. I like sliced portobellas. They're just meatier. I just, I love them. Uh, two garlic cloves minced, four cups of vegetable broth, one 14 and a half ounce can of diced tomato with basil, oregano, and garlic. Uh, usually you'll see it as Italian diced tomatoes. Uh, one package of frozen cheese tortellini, about 19 ounces. Two cups of fresh baby spinach and an eighth a teaspoon of pepper. So in a large pot, you're going to heat the oil over medium heat, add the mushrooms and cook for about six to eight minutes until they start to be tender. And then go ahead and add the garlic and cook for one minute longer. Next, you're going to add the broth and tomatoes, bring to a boil. Next, add the tortellini and cook for about three to four minutes or just until the tortellini start to float. Next, you're going to stir in the spinach and pepper and stir it around. Cook until the spinach is wilted and it's done. Guys, this is a like quick, easy, get dinner on the table in less than a half an hour. And it's filled with all sorts of great vegetables. Um, again, if you don't want to use that 14 and a half ounce can of tomatoes, and instead you want to put in your own tomatoes from the garden, more power to you. I love it, love it, love it. All right, guys, that's what I have for you today. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish, Eat, Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.